Attention crew, this is your Captain Caliban speaking. This is a supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals, where we bring you news and tidbits from the world of Trek, also interviews with special guests, and a few little surprises along the way. But you're not going to be surprised on this show, are you? You can't guess what this episode is going to focus on, but can you blame me? Discovery is on everyone's minds, and we're going to bring you the news and some much-needed context in a kingly fashion. Let's get underway. Well, it's finally arrived. Star Trek Discovery has premiered and three episodes have aired so far, and the news is mostly good. The show is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes at 87%. It's at 60% for its audience score. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. And according to CBS, subscriptions to their digital streaming service, CBS All Access, have broken an all-time single-day record previously inspired by this year's Grammy telecast. And the network says their subscriber base has doubled after Discovery's premiere though they haven't given any concrete figures in their announcement. The show's premiere episode, The Vulcan Hello, had 9.6 million viewers on CBS on the night of the 24th, according to Nielsen's. Fan and critical reaction to the premiere was mixed, uh, to say the least. Not mixed in the way where we're trying to say it's not very good and it's up and down. It's more, it's very polemic. It's either great or it sucks. Um, But the new show's productions and visuals have been singled out as a positive aspect of the show. Everyone's got an opinion. Here's mine. It's not perfect, but I like it. There's a... Boy, there's a spoonful of white dwarfs matter uh, weight on this thing because it carries a Trek name. And I think it's a fine sci-fi TV show. And we should save the judgment for history, as Captain Picard might say. And I think we should just look at it for now as a modern sci-fi show because that's what it feels like to me in a lot of ways. Much has been made of the fact that it's taking a lot of departures from the standard Trek format, maybe even the stayed Trek format. And the result for me is you know, also a bit mixed, <laughs> I guess. You know, it doesn't really feel like Trek to me. But that's not entirely a bad thing. If the characters didn't say photon torpedoes or have Federation insignias, you'd almost believe it's a different property, like a new IP, which, yes, that rubs some fans the wrong way, but I'm kind of enjoying the break from the norm. So I guess my current attitude is I'm going to keep watching with an open mind and I'll burn down Akiva Goldsman's house if it gets really bad. (laughs) I kid. I kid, probably. You know, now that the show has aired, uh, I thought that we would look back and take an opportunity to grade my predictions for the new show, Discovery, from an earlier episode. On July 27th, on supplemental show 13.5, I predicted that... I think that Burnham is a human raised by Vulcans who has the analytical mind of a Vulcan, but the ambition of a human. While serving as first officer aboard the Shensho, they run into Klingons led by Takuvma, who because of his upbringing, he's looking for a fight. I mean, you know, more than a usual Klingon. They get in a tussle with the Shensho. Burnham, leaning on her Vulcan side, comes up with this amazing analytical plan to wipe them out, and it goes even better than she expected, killing a lot of Klingons and destroying most of the Shensho. Whoops. Obviously, she feels really bad about this, and she gets picked up by the Discovery. With slightly unstable Captain Lorca at the helm, he wants her to use her delicious brains to help Starfleet stab at the heart of the Empire and win the war before it starts. But she pulls back because he turns out to be nuts, and hey, she's a Starfleet officer, and that's not what we do. So there you go. Not 
too bad. I think, if I do say so myself, this isn't to say that it looks bad for the show, because honestly, and Harberts has actually said this in an interview, they considered the first two episodes to be like a TV movie that was also kind of a pilot, and they've literally referred to the third episode where we actually pick it up with Burnham going to the Discovery uh, as the like second pilot. Uh, they're repiloting in the parlance of community. So my question is, just start there. Just start there. I mean, especially because you're looking to pack like nine episodes of this thing in. I, maybe you didn't have enough, but there are some nice things in the first two episodes. But yeah, they could have told all of that through flashbacks. So anyway, um, let's see. How am I going to use my powers next? My predictive powers. I predict that the Jonathan Frakes-directed episode is going to be a fan favorite. If you want more of my thoughts on Star Trek Discovery, plus the thoughts of other Star Trek authors, screenwriters, and superfans, why not tune into Star Trek Discoverage, our live Discovery recap show, which airs every Sunday night right after Discovery, right here on the internet. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to get updates on when we go live Sundays. And if you can't join us, catch up with Discoverage episodes on our regular show feed. On our last show, author Mark Giller joined me and my co-host Ella Pearson of the Generations Geek podcast. And Mark is bullish on the show. He likes it. He appreciates the darker elements that have been introduced. And we talked a lot about the apparent cyborgization of some of the crew members, which is right up his alley as a cyberpunk author. We haven't yet reached any reasonable explanation for Ensign Daft Punk on the Shencho or the apparently fully robotic bridge crew member on the Discovery, so mysteries abound. And it looks like we'll have one more chance to puzzle over it in 2017. CBS has announced that they will be airing nine episodes before the end of the year break instead of the originally planned eight, extending the first half of the show to November 12th when Discovery will go on break until it returns in January of 2018. Also recently announced by showrunner Aaron Harberts, the character of Amanda Grayson, a.k.a. Mrs. Sarek, Spock's mom, will appear in the series. Amanda, originally played by actress Jane Wyatt in the TOS episode Journey to Babel and in Star Trek 4, but I don't have to tell you that, was name-checked in the third episode of Discovery, and she will appear later in the season, played by Mia Kirshner, late of The L Word and Defiance. Spock was also name-checked, or at least obliquely acknowledged, in the same episode, and that's why I start putting a rag in a bottle for my trip to Akiva's place, because just don't, just just don't, right? No, no young Spock on the show. I'm sure that we have the technology to bring a fully realized Salot to the small screen, but what do you say? Let's let's skip that one. Although if the special effects people on Star Trek Discovery were to bring Ichaya to digital life, it would most likely be on a Windows machine, and apparently that program could be run by the computers on the USS Discovery. That's right, the Discovery runs on Windows. In Context is for Kings, the third episode of Discovery, Michael Burnham is asked to reconcile some lines of code relating to astrophysics and biochemistry, and a few internet nerds with freeze-frame buttons have discovered that the code in question is for a modern PC program, specifically its decompiled code from the Stuxnet worm, which was used to attack Iran's nuclear program in 2010. So someone needs to shore up cybersecurity on Discovery double-quick. Damn Romulans! And speaking of what that code relates to, as depicted on the show, astrophysics and biochemistry, which are one and the same, or so Lieutenant Mark from Rent tells us. I'm going to need some time to process this. Um, 
mycelial network, spore drive. Oh boy, uh, <laughs> strange new worlds indeed. Well, here's something I didn't know and would have if I'd done even the most basic research, but Anthony Rapp's character, Lieutenant Mark from, uh, I mean, Paul Stamets, is based on real-life mycologist Paul Stamets. And that's how you pronounce his name. Now I know how to pronounce his name. Brian Fuller's apparently a big fan of his and named a character in Hannibal after him as well. And now we've got Lieutenant Stamets. So that shows you that the current structure of the show clearly contains a large part of Fuller's original vision. A vision that probably came to him along with the idea for the spore drive while enjoying the other application of mycology. Sober up, hippies. It's time for... Isaac's Antics. Our weekly segment where we report the gospel of the Liverpudlian Martin Luther. He's nailing 95 Twitter users to the cathedral door, Jason Isaacs. You'd think that with a successful TV show on the air and a storied film career on his resume, Jason would be content to relax after Discovery's premiere and retweet the well wishes that he's undoubtedly received for his portrayal of Captain Lorca. But like the fortune cookie-loving captain he plays, Isaacs is ready to wrestle with some monsters. In recent days, Isaacs called out Trump on Twitter saying, should I do the accent? Let's do it. <clears throat> Although he's, no, he's American in the show. He's still like tight, tight lip, tight jaw like this. Okay. <clears throat> No hand man shouldn't be in charge of flushing away the infantile sewage flowing from his rectum of a mouth, never mind all of our lies. Which, of course, some users on social media weren't thrilled with. Isaacs has received invective in response to his comments, and because the block button would be too easy, he has said of his detractors, quote, Keep wanting to engage trolls, but click their profiles to see endless white isolationist hate spew. Maybe they follow me as closeted humans. He went on to tweet, quote, Please feel free to binge the finest hours of Hollywood's illiberals for fun. A Chuck Norris Kid Rock marathon, anyone? Lobotomy? Boom, got him. He didn't stop there, however. Twitter user Truth Begets Heresy, oh boy, uh, tweeted, quote, Number one, ooh, it's a list. Isaacs loves lists. Uh, number one, why fundamentally change the Klingons in a cannon-breaking way? Number two, and this is his syntax, have any of capitals actually ever watched Star Trek? Because I'm not sure you have. Oh boy, you just put a target on your back, buddy. You put a target on your back. Jason Isaacs came back and said, quote, tagging all the cast to hurl abuse is extremely rude and vain. We don't come to your work and scream, the McFlurries are melting, do we? <laughs> After that, another Twitter user and apparently a McDonald's employee tweeted to say that it was inconsiderate of him to assume that he must work in fast food because they're being a jerk, which she's got a point. This person has a point. She said, quote, I work for McDonald's and love support your new show. I'd say it's pretty rude that you're ins insinuating that someone like him must work at McDonald's. And to this, Isaacs appeared to soften a bit like a warm McFlurry, and he offered this conciliatory tweet. Quote, Sorry. Well, sorry. Sorry. The word McFlurry just makes me laugh. Loving my two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Okay, he's just drunk at this point. I mean, it's 11.04 on the Twitter feed here, but he never gave up, and he never surrendered. The jury's out over whether the word McFlurry is actually funnier than... Mersey, Scouse, or Patty's Wigwam, but we will not debate his profound wisdom at these proceedings. <laughs> I, just, I, I so want to get a Jason Isaacs tattoo, but I'm really torn. Uh, I think Lucius Malfoy 
is probably the no-brainer character. But if I got it on my ankle, you know, like I'm planning to, it'd be covered up by a sock, which seems bad. Um, maybe Colonel Tavington from The Patriot? Oh, but, you know, just one of the hosts of Mission Log just got a Swamp Fox tattoo, so that's been done. Ooh, I know. Isaac's best role in a career of playing military officers, Captain Steele from Black Hawk Down. Good impression. I recognize myself. All right, carry on. Stay you, Jason. Please stay you forever. Do you think in the future they'll still have joke fortune cookies? Like, help, I'm trapped in the replicator. Our top comment this week on social media, and we had quite a few of them. Thanks, guys, for your support and your praise on our Star Trek Discovery coverage. There's certainly more to come. Uh, but our top comment is from Twitter user Phrase. Hope I'm saying that right. F-R-A-I-Z-E, who in response to a tweet from me commenting on Lieutenant Seru's threat ganglia in the pilot episode of Discovery, wrote, quote, I'm so glad I wasn't the only one to notice his hackles. Good eye, Phrase. It was a subtle thing and a nice touch. Plus... Practically, it's smart because although the makeup and the prosthesis that Doug Jones is wearing has got to be some of the best Trek makeup we've ever seen, you know, he's still a guy in a rubber mask. So it's cool that they found a way to visually show that he's in extreme distress without resorting to, I don't know, a comical high pitched fart sound or, or something. <laughs> nice work, Discovery Design Team. And thanks for your comment phrase. You win a set of threat ganglia bedazzlers. Be terrified and look fabulous doing it. Remember, listeners, you can inquire what Jason Isaac's character tattoo I ended up getting and many other things on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash EISTpod or on our Twitter at at EISTpod or through any of the social media links you'll find on enterprisingindividuals.com. You can also reach the show at EISTpod at gmail.com with feedback and any suggestions you have or to just say hello, we're waiting to receive your transmission. And we're back again this Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Central Time for another episode of Discoverage, right after Star Trek Discovery ends. The episode this week is entitled, get ready, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry, which is a Panic at the Disco song title, if I ever heard one. Maybe a Brendan Urie solo project, I don't know, but still, pretty odd. Tune in to listen to us live, and if you do, tweet at us using the hashtag Discoverage during the show, or you can join us in our chat room on our Spreaker page, I think. I've been assured it will work, so join us there. If you can't catch us live, our Discovered shows will be available in your usual podcast feed. But come on, come on. TiVo after Trek, Matt Merrick can wait. Join us for a half an hour after Discovery for some great guests and a fun discussion of the show. And after that, why not check out our Patreon page, where you too can become a crew member for the show by going to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod and signing up to receive exclusive subscriber content, like updates on what's coming up on the show, my DS9 recap mini episodes, my Klingon Christmas Carol rehearsal diary, and much more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. When you're mining dilithium, on TELUS, you get three hots on a cot, and that's about it. But here in the real world, we're always looking for support to keep the show going. So anything you can contribute would be appreciated. It would help keep us flying. Thanks. And that's it for this supplemental episode of Enterprising Individuals. If you're an iTunes listener, that is, an Apple Podcast listener, and you haven't yet, why not look us up on Apple Podcasts and make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Also, please write a review if the spirit moves you, and give us a rating at the very least. That really helps us. We'd appreciate it. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can still subscribe to the show on Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you get our show from. And if you leave positive comments and ratings on those platforms as well, we'd be eternally grateful. And also, I wanted to add... Really, if you really like the show, the best way to help us is to tell a friend. 
tell somebody else about it. If you like Star Trek, chances are there's somebody else that likes Star Trek as well. If you like podcasts, same thing. So maybe those circles, maybe they overlap like that. So tell a friend, spread the love. Hey, hey, sneak it to him in a fortune cookie, right? Hmm? I'm trapped in the podcast factory. Dumb. Next time on Enterprising Individuals. Every ship, yea, every show, will face a crisis in its lifetime where extreme measures must be employed. Sometimes it involves using a neural stimulator to make your first officer relive traumatic memories of his life. And other times it's going through your old episodes for enough clips to make a show of. Uh, yeah, all right. We're going to go clip show for our next episode. Fittingly, as Star Trek The Next Generation ended its second season with the clip show Shades of Grey, we will be using the last episode of our second season to celebrate the great guests, fascinating discussions, and humorous insights from the shows last year. Trust me. Trust me. It's going to be a good time. And we've got the advantage. No Pulaski. Oh, Plasky. So join us next week for Shades of Yay, a celebration of Season 2, next time on Enterprising Individuals. And until then, I'm your Captain Caliban, signing off and saying, live long and prosper. Prosper.